Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will begin with Ephesians 1-7, and we'll start looking at the section that spans verses 7 to 10. And one of the things that we want to address as we start this is to make a brief recap of the verses 3 to 6. Now, you can go back and listen to all those episodes, so I don't need to do that here. But one of the things that I didn't say about those preceding four verses, uh, this is all part of one gigantic sentence, verses 3 to 14. But as we're considering the things that we have to rejoice in as believers, and I think that that's what governs this section, the verses three to six encompass a very unique section in that it's mainly what has been done for us in the past. So as believers, there are things in the past that we can look at and we are to rejoice in those things. That's verses three to six. So today, as we continue the study and we pick it up with verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, we now begin to look at a section where we're looking at what Christ is doing for us right now. Remember in the preceding section, we have a lot of these aorist verbs, which show completed action, which means the action's done and it's done usually in time past. And we noted there that was in the time before the foundation of the world. Well, today we are rejoicing in what Christ is accomplishing for us now. So as we begin to look at that idea of the present work of Christ in the life of the believer, the first thing that we notice in verses 7 to 8 is that Christ has given us redemption. Okay, so we just read the text, and so let's dive in to what it means that he has given us redemption. First of all, the idea here, the verb that we have in mind is this present tense, we have, okay? To have something, uh, I don't need to give you the Greek verb, but the verb is in the present active sense. So this is an ongoing action. It's something that we didn't just possess at one time. It's something that we have as believers. We currently are experiencing redemption, So we have this in a continual way daily in our Christian life. So what is redemption? Redemption is a legal or financial term. It means to buy. This is what Boaz did with Ruth back in the book of Ruth. So how are you redeemed, right? He's the kinsman redeemer. Well, we are bought, we are purchased by a very unique currency, not money, but like Boaz did with Ruth, but we are purchased with the blood of Christ. That's the currency that's on the table here, right? Because the thing that has to be paid for is sin, and uh, the end result is a person who is now free from sin. Our sin was paid for, the price for sin was redeemed, and we know that that can't be done by the blood of bulls and goats. That's the book of Hebrews. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to wash away our sins. So, It has to be a different kind of blood. And without the shedding of blood, by the way, the book of Hebrews says there's no remission for sin. So we just have to understand and accept the idea that a blood sacrifice is necessary. Paul makes this abundantly clear in Ephesians 2.13. 
He says here in chapter two, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So redemption means to buy. It is a legal or financial term and the currency is the blood of Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Not only does it say it in verse 13 of chapter two, but it says it right here in our text. We have redemption through his blood, by means of his blood. That is the transaction. That's the currency. Okay. So, uh, and, and then he gives us a secondary definition. Okay. So this is what is called an English grammar apposition. That is to say, uh, to give a definition of something a different way, but we're still talking about the same thing. So the idea of redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, that's what redemption is. And that's what we were talking about just a moment ago, right? The thing that we need cleansing for, the thing that has to be purchased is our sins. And that's what he's talking about here, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And so we see that all subsumed under this idea of redemption, Okay, so that's what we're talking about. The purchase of our sins, or more accurately, the consequences of our sins. That's how Christ paid for our sins is with his blood. But in paying, it wasn't just the spilling of blood. What happened to him at the cross? Well, one of the statements that he gives while he's on the cross, when you look at the cross sayings of Christ, gives us a little insight into that. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that the father has turned his back on the son temporarily and what he's doing to Christ as he is on the cross of Calvary is he's pouring out his wrath. Well, the son hasn't done anything to deserve wrath. He's sinless. In him was found no no guilt, no nothing, no sin, right? There's nothing about Christ that is unclean. So he's taking our sin upon himself. And in fact, the scriptures say that he became sin for us and God has to punish sin. So his blood being spilled, he is taking the wrath of God upon himself. So that's why we have that phrase, the forgiveness of our trespasses, which is so important. So Christ has given us redemption. We've looked at that, the nature of it, that it's ongoing. We are experiencing redemption, the idea that we are being cleansed, not, not just in a one-time judicial sense where we have been declared guiltless, we've been declared pardoned, but in an ongoing way, we have his redemption working in our lives daily. And we've looked at the definition of that. What's the motivation for redemption? Well, he does it according to the riches of his grace. That's a beautiful phrase. In him we have redemption through his blood, appositional phrase, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And how has this uh, redemption through his blood happened? It's according to the riches of his grace. That's the motivation. Grace comes up over and over and over again through this section that God is showering something on us and he's doing so as we've discovered in previous passages out of love. This is incredible. In love, he predestined us uh, as sons to the praise, verse 6, of his glorious grace. So now it's not just to the praise of his glorious grace, but according to the riches of his grace. And riches means that he has something in abundance, right? If you're rich, it doesn't mean that you just have a couple dollars. It means you have an over and abundance of, of the currency, right? And in our case, it would be dollars. 
Well, God's grace is not something that can be exhausted. It's infinite. There are hymns that talk about the infinite nature of his grace. But to speak of the riches of his grace is to speak on the aspect that he has so much grace that he can freely share. He can freely bestow it upon his children without ever worrying about depleting it. He has an incredible, inexhaustible, infinite storehouse of grace. And it's out of that infinite storehouse of grace that he redeems us and gives us salvation. What's the attitude of the giver of redemption? Well, as we go on in verse 8, it says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. So the the, the attitude of the giver of redemption and these wonderful vast storehouses of grace are that he has lavished upon us. Okay, this word lavish, this verb lavish, means to cause something to exist in abundance. So we already know that he has an abundance. That's the riches of his grace. But now the amount of grace that he pours out on the believer is more than we can possibly take in. It carries with it the idea or the sense of overflowing. So we speak of God's goodness and compassion. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, he said, As a father delights to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? And so God lavishes his grace upon us. And then we see, lastly, as we consider that Christ has given us redemption, the nature of the giver of redemption. How has he done this? What is, what is in him? He, we have redemption. We know how we got redemption through his blood. We know that it is according to the riches of his grace. He has vast storehouses of those things. And we know that from the infinite storehouses that we can never deplete, he's given us more than we can possibly use. He's lavished it upon us. How? How has he done that? In all wisdom and insight. And that's how he has lavished his grace upon us, is in all wisdom and insight. God has complete and full knowledge, and in his knowledge, in all complete knowledge, all wisdom, and all insight, he has determined that for his children, those for whom he has purchased redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, that this abundant grace should be given to them in lavish amount. That's encouraging. This is a present blessing for the believer that Christ is giving us redemption. And in him, we do have that right now. That's for you. That's for me. That's something that we experience right now as believers. And again, that is absolutely praiseworthy and worthy of rejoicing. That's where we'll wrap it up today. And tomorrow we'll pick it up starting in verse 9. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.